Hello and welcome back to The Last Slice of Pizza. I am your host, James, and today we are looking at the episode, Final Exam. And it begins with the Hive Academy showing off its most three prominent graduates in an advertisement of sorts. So we get Gizmo, a genius inventor, uh, Jinx, a sorceress focusing on bad luck, and Mammoth, a genetically engineered bulky boy. So, before we go any further, I should point out that in the comics, Jinx is Indian, and uh, this iteration doesn't necessarily follow that uh, idea. It uh, It's different. It's not specifically Indian. And so this is something of a weird misstep? I mean, the, what, what isn't an excuse is that, like, they want to make her look more goth-inspired. And you, you can, you know, make a goth Indian girl. I mean, I googled goth Indian girl and there were, like, plenty of results. Just, you, you, can, you can do it. It's not, it's not unheard of. What might be more acceptable as an answer? I guess it's really this this kind of thing is really like I'm on like eggshells here, but like if they couldn't get an Indian actress to voice her, that might be a better reason to justify this change? I mean, I don't doubt that there are Indian actresses out there waiting for like a gig like this. I don't know how or why like this didn't happen. Like, hmm. It, it's just, it's just odd. I don't hate this iteration of Jinx, obviously. But, like, it is, like, weird that this, like, happened at all. It's just, uh, it's just a bit odd. Uh, yeah, but, uh, circling back to... The episode, uh, they go through, like, a series of, like, exercises in in the commercial to, like, you know, destroy robots and turrets and stuff like that in the Hive Academy. And then the commercial says that they are also for hire. So, uh, another thing is that while Hive isn't new to this show, this school seems to be from the quick bit of research I did for, uh, you know, this. But, like, this, like, school for villains is a disturbing but interesting concept. So, like, the idea of, like, training people to be the villains of the future is, like, really messed up when you think about it a little bit. Like, it's kind of like... Uh, all for one taking Shigaraki under his uh, wing in uh, My Hero Academia. But 
it's actually kind of like a inverse My Hero Academia. I know there's a thing called My Villain Academia, but I'm not 100% sure what that is. But, like, this idea is, is a little, little messed up. And I'll do my best to explain why at the moment. So, th the basic idea is that uh, it shows, like, like, evil adults, the, like, teachers and, like, headmistress we're about to meet and stuff like that. Like, how they, like, prey upon, like, children who, for one reason or another, uh, are considered villains and exploit that to help them with their overall goals instead of actually helping the children process what it is about them that makes them not included and helping them find their place in the world. What they're doing is they're like turning them into people that just lash out at the world that like don't or can't see the good, the redeeming qualities of the world around them. And yeah, I get morality is complicated. Like, not everything in the world as it is today, let alone roughly 20 years ago when this uh, episode aired, is, like, peachy keen. But I don't think the solution is, like, pure villainy. That's where I'm coming from on this. There are, like, a lot of different ways to go about making change in the world and figuring out how to fit in with the world and just overall making the world, like, better than when you came into it. And I don't think villainy is, like, the most constructive way it's a very destructive way but like destruction without reconstruction is just two steps forward four steps back in my opinion but uh yeah this is this is a podcast about a kids television show not not an in-depth morality <laughs> conversation but I made it that anyway, so let's get back back to that episode. Once the commercial is over, we are watching this in Slade's lair, we find out, and the headmistress uh, asks if Slade likes uh, these kids as hired guns. This is really messed up. It's really messed up. I can't, I can't get over this now. Uh, but hey, I mean, I guess that's why they're villains. I guess that's why we're not really supposed to agree or like them in any sort of context. <laughs> well, eh, some later, but we'll, we'll get to it. But anyway, Slade says he sees the value in these kids for hire. 
but thinks that the obstacle course and stuff only go so far. He requests one final exam before hiring them outright. Destroy the Teen Titans. So let's let's take our third tangent before the opening theme starts in the episode. I'll just where are we? We're about eight minutes in. Okay, great. So this will be a little shorter, but uh this is uh something sort of interesting about Slade, is that like we don't really know what his goal is. I might have talked about this before, but we don't really know what his end game is. And like here in this, like if the Titans are the final exam, the final thing they have to do before Slade hires them outright to be part of his plan whatever it is like we don't know what that would be but it sounds frightening at this uh like point and we'll get back to uh like this idea at the end of the episode but like it is it is so like intriguing and confusing because, like, in, in the comics, uh, he's just a, a hitman, a hired gun. But here, it feels like something else. Like, there's more, but we just don't know what it is. And that, I think, is really interesting. And why, like, Slade in the show is so iconic because like again we'll, we'll get to this near the end of the episode where i can like go into this just a little bit more but yeah like like from the two bits we've seen so far in the show between divide and conquer and this like you can tell like right out of the gate slade is like, nothing to, like, mess with. <laughs> anyway, the theme song happens. It's great. And I'm just going to say it now. The rest of the music in this episode is great as well. Like, I think that's just a blanket statement for this show. The music is, like, phenomenal. Like, I'm going to be real. Like, background music and stuff like that isn't something I really, like, notice all the time like when watching stuff but I mean I get it's kind of the point it's background music it's supposed to like set the mood and like boy howdy does this it's really good like yeah I, I guess like if I were doing more shows uh, as like recap podcasts I would, like, notice, like, the music a little more than just, like, watching it for fun or, like, stuff. But it's really good. Blanket statement. So then, af after that, we are at Titan's Tower and Cyborg and Beast Boy are trying to find the remote in a garbage-filled room. 
they then uh, get into an argument about whether or not Beast Boy lost the remote since he lost uh, a lot of things like the vi a video game, Cyborg's football, Waffle Iron. There's a few other things I can't remember them all, and I don't know, but it is interesting. So Raven, stressed out by this argument, suggests uh, going to the TV and changing it manually. Cyborg and Beast Boy are, are like really confused and angry, and Cyborg says, "Don't even joke about that." And Raven says, "She's not." And Cyborg says, "Good, because it wasn't funny." And Raven then just gets involved with the shouting match a little bit. Starfire and Robin enter as Starfire's talking to Robin about how to travel faster than light. And it just occurred to me now as I'm recording this, I don't have it in my notes, but it occurred to me now that this could be like a bit of follow through from the previous episode where uh, like... Blackfire was teaching Robin some alien martial arts. And, like, Robin asks, why didn't you teach me this stuff? And, like, we had Blackfire explaining that, like, she's not as good as it. But I think as a step forward, we get this little exchange of, like, Starfire teaching something to Robin. Even though I don't know if he can use it to the extent, but it is something. And that's nice. But anyway, uh, Robin uh, and Starfire see what's going on and tries to calm things down. And Starfire suggests getting some junk food to help mend things over. Cyborg says he doesn't want food and the shouting match continues. But uh, Starfire opens up uh, the fridge to see everything is moldy, like really blue moldy. And when the mold looks like it's about to attack, Starfire counters. But the ensuing mess, like, gets everywhere, and Robin suggests that they should just go out for pizza. But at the pizza place, the arguing continues as they can't decide what toppings to order. So, it is here we learn that Beast Boy insists on, uh, no meat, that Beast Boy's a vegetarian saying that he's been most of those animals, which made more sense to me as a child than it does now. Because, like, some of the animals that he's been are carnivorous. It's, like, this, like, weird idea of, like... Is it fine if other animals do it? Like, eating meat is, like, a really weird you know, concept in the grand scheme of things. But in order to live, we do it. It's just one of those things. And animals do it too. But, I mean, I, I guess I get Beast Boy not wanting to. Because he's been, like, the animals as well. But, like... It's it's just uh, one of those things. We we already had one deep philosophical <laughs> discussion in this uh, podcast. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into another one. But uh, so Starfire <laughs> offers a pizza with pickles, bananas, and uh, some mint on it. Uh, the other Titans look at her weird, and Robin has to tell her that not everything on the menu is a pizza topping. Which I will say, pickles 
are a pizza topping. I've had it before. It's great. It's not a traditional pizza topping, but it's good. G-E-W-D good. <laughs> uh, but I like pickles a lot. But, I don't know. Maybe bananas on pizza would be good, too. I don't know. I'm not very partial to bananas. So, while they continue to argue, uh, the Hive kids uh, spy on them and set their plan in motion. So they release a bus, and it's hurtling towards a baby carriage, and the Titans spring into action with Starfire uh, saving the carriage while Cyborg and Raven stop the bus. So they begin noticing weird things, like why the bus doesn't have a driver or the carriage doesn't have a baby, and then the Hive kids make themselves known. So they begin fighting the Titans, and they do a great job at controlling the pace of the battle thus far. They shut out Robin, Beast Boy, and Starfire for a bit while uh, Jinx handles Raven. Uh, Mammoth fights Cyborg in a test of strength, but uh, Gizmo comes in and places a rocket on his back and he goes flying. So once the other three are free, uh, Starfire goes to try and save Cyborg. <laughs> so Jinx and Raven are like still fighting it out. And when Raven tries to counter, Jinx blocks it and says, you fight like a boy. And then uh, Gizmo comes up, uh, makes an insult. Gizmo's, like, uh, dialogue is very interesting. Because, like, he is just kind of a snot-nosed brat. And, like, he revels in it, though. Like... He, he he loves, like, emphasizing just how, like, pathetic he thinks everyone else is. It's a, it's a great character choice, and one I can't really replicate. Because uh, I'm just kind of freewheeling. But it is, it is great. And then uh, Gizmo blasts Raven, and then Beast Boy, uh, like turns into an elephant and charges them, but Mammoth lifts him, saying, Mammoth's gonna make you extinct now, and then throws uh, Beast Boy at Robin. So, uh, while the three of them are laid out for a bit, Beast Boy asks, is it just me, or are we getting our butts handed to us? Robin and Raven say, it's just you. So, uh... As Robin tries to lead them, Beast Boy and Raven get blasted away again, and then Robin challenges them 3-1, to one, but through a maneuver, he gets comboed into the sewers to the dismay of Beast Boy and Raven. Later, uh, Raven and Beast Boy uh, head back to the tower, and Beast Boy has a limp and sits down. He says, tell me that just didn't happen tell me it didn't happen but raven says it did happen and we can't change the truth no matter how unpleasant it is uh raven sees that like beast boy is nursing his injury so she decides to cast a spell to cure it and beast boy says who knew we had a doctor in the house thanks and i think uh this little moment is important to understanding the episode as a whole because like the entire episode is predicated on the idea that like 
the the Titans aren't as stable as like you know a team should be, but it it's never like really suggested throughout the episode that they like don't like each other, and it's moments like this that like open up to that. But speaking of opening up, the door opens up and Cyborg and Starfire enter and Cyborg says that you should call me Flyborg. <laughs> I was halfway to Gotham City before Star sapped that thing off my back. So, another small tangent. I know, we've been on a lot, but that's just how we do things. So based on what we learned uh, last time, one of two things is happening. Either... Gotham is nowhere where it usually is, which I think is on the East Coast, and, like, this is on the West Coast. Or they went to the Plains slash Midwest, i.e. being, like, halfway across America before uh, it got resolved and they had to travel all the way back. Which, interestingly enough, Starfire did say... That she knew how to travel faster than light earlier in the episode, which might explain why they're back earlier than maybe they should be. So, maybe that's it. So, Cyborg wants to know how they won, but Raven and Beast Boy are silent. And Starfire wonders where Robin is. And Beast Boy and Raven said they, they looked everywhere, but all they could find is his belt. Cyborg and Starfire are shocked, and Cyborg is going uh, all Monday morning quarterback on, like, I should have been there, I should have done this, this, and that. Starfire, on the other hand, is uh, in duress and wonders where Robin is and, uh, like, says that people just don't disappear. Find him. He has to be somewhere. And, like, Raven and Beast Boy have to explain, we checked. We really did. We just couldn't. And then uh, Beast Boy assures her that it's alright since it's Robin. He'll probably be back any minute now. And the door opens, and they think it's Robin, but it's the Hive Kids coming in, blowing up the door, Beginning their second assault, saying that they're going to take over the place. So, <clears throat> Titans uh, defend, but uh, they divide up, and uh, the girls are being chased by Mammoth. So they try to make their escape and try to outmaneuver and outthink Mammoth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> While Beast Boy is on the run from Jinx, who is cursing everything left and right in order to entrap him, and Gizmo is tracking down Cyborg. So after the girls think they've gotten away from Mammoth, Starfire tries blocking the door, but Mammoth comes in from the wall behind them. And then Jinx catches up with Beast Boy after... Uh, he thinks he's escaped them, so he tries going on the offensive by turning into a T-Rex, but Jinx uh, makes the floor around him collapse, and 
then uh, Cyborg thinks he has the jump on Gizmo, but Gizmo has rigged the room with uh, TVs to mock Cyborg, and then uh, Gizmo attacks, but then Cyborg counters, destroying his uh, mechanical pack on his back. So Gizmo runs and hides, and Cyborg goes to look for him. He thinks he finds him, but it turns out it's a hologram, and the real Gizmo sneaks from the shadows and hops onto Cyborg's back to play with his systems. Uh, he goes on to detach Cyborg's uh, right hand and then boots him out of the tower. The others get booted out as well in a really comedic-style animation, but also, uh, you know, it's, it's rather serious. It's... It, it's just one of those things, I guess. Like, the animation, like the music, is always going to be, like, top tier. Like, unless I say otherwise. But I don't think that's going to be the case. So, the Hive looks upon them in the, in the harbor. And Jinx uh, makes a tidal wave wash them out. So then, uh... On the banks, we hear a voice montage of uh, their weakest moments play out as they uh, come to shore. Beast Boy makes a joke, and Cyborg says, uh, not now. Beast Boy begins explaining himself, but Raven stops him, and Beast Boy, like, kind of agrees. Cyborg uh, tries to fix himself up, and Starfire offers to help, but he snaps. Beast Boy speaks up in favor of Star and asks, what's your problem? Cyborg explains that they were defeated and just, like, goes off about all the things that just happened. Like, uh, Raven asks them to calm down, but that only angers Cyborg more. And Star then says she wishes Robin were here. And then Cyborg bluntly explains that he's not, we lost, that's what happened. I did say earlier that like it is apparent in the episode that like they're still like friends after all of this but like this is an incredibly low moment for like all of them like not just what happened but how they're reacting to it to some extent but I don't think they dislike each other outright even after all of this happens after this scene plays out even I think it's just like this like strong backlash to the situation and it's a situation that they're not uh, used to but like once that perspective is made clear like things are more calm but they're really somber and they're about ready to admit defeat but Robin appears saying that the Titans aren't done not if he has anything to say about it and like a, a good specific on the music here is that like it transitions nicely from like being incredibly low to gaining hope now that Robin's back so, I think I'm starting to get why they decided to air this episode first. Kind of. 
if that was like a decision that like was made instead of like an accident if this was decided i understand why but i'll get into why i still think it's wrong so first off we have like the the opposing uh like team idea where like the teen titans have the the hive group as like a, a clear counter point to them where they're like similar in some ways but different in others and we see them clash and you know stuff like that i think like that's kind of an obvious thing from the outset but uh as we'll get into in a later episode, that might not be the best. I, mean, I might get into it just a little bit near the end. But mm, it's probably better saved for a different episode. Either way, like, that's not the biggest reason I think they did that. So, I think one of the biggest reasons that they decided to air this episode first is that uh, I think it demonstrates uh, all the journeys the uh, main characters will go on throughout the show where we see them like change over time and we see them like this is a good place to see some basic starting points where, like, Beast Boy, he's trying to figure out when to be more earnest, when to, like, you know, not be as, like, jokey at times when it counts, but other times, stuff like that. So, Cyborg is uh, struggling with, like, toxic versus non-toxic -tox masculinity. Uh, Starfire is about self-confidence and, you know, saying what she wants. And Raven is working on being more open. And Robin is, like, his status as the leader. And there's a lot more to, like, all of the characters than just, like, these journeys and this these, like, points I'm making. And there's more to the journeys themselves. It's not just like starfire self-confidence or uh cyborg and his masculinity yada yada but it's a good like outline that like we see and like we can kind of get it but i think it's still imperative the other two episodes come first so we can get a feel for the world we can see them, like, kind of triumph. Like, we, we even see them, like, stumble a bit. But not, not as much as it's happened in this. Where, like, this is more impactful. Because we've seen them, like, succeed more often. Where, like, th this is the first time we've seen them, like, fail at, at, at anything. Like, there's there's been some, like half victories but no no defeats and yeah some of the previous episodes do go into uh like some of uh the things i mentioned earlier but like this one just kind of like 
opens it up to all of them. Because there's no real central, like, Titan that this episode revolves around. It's just them as a team and how they mesh and stuff. Which is another reason why maybe they decided to start it off first, but I think it makes more sense to do it in, like, you know, DVD and production order rather than air date order. But even so, this episode is doing a lot of things, and it's really, really interesting. I'm not trying to, like, diss it. It's just... This is just an odd conundrum. But anyway... So... The Hive celebrate their victory by adding to the tower to make it an H shape and uh, placing Cyborg's arm up as a trophy. So Jinx also likes that they have Robin's favorite accessory and puts it on, which is, you know, Robin's belt. But uh, nothing else really appeals to Jinx holding up one of uh, Raven's robes. Mammoth goes through the fridge and notes that all of their food is expired, but eats it anyway, since he's, you know, genetically engineered and also a teenage boy. <laughs> so Gizmo goes through their music collection and calls all of it junk and, like, you know, throws some of it out. So while they are distracted, Cyborg's arm uh, reanimates, uh, spies on what they're doing, and then sneaks uh, past all of them to disrupt uh, the system. So once disrupted, like the the hive group wonders what's going on, and then Cyborg's hand reveals itself, and then captures Gizmo, and uh, taking it away. Raven abducts Jinx with her powers, while Starfire blasts uh, Mammoth up to the elevator. And during all of this, the Titans are unseen. So, when all of them uh, get taken to the roof, like, Raven manages to get uh, Robin's belt off Jinx, and Robin catches it, and Cyborg then gets his arm back, and uh, they say, this isn't over yet. So they prepare for battle. The Hive attack, but the Titans are more prepared this time and go on the offensive as well. Cyborg is looking for Gizmo, and Gizmo gets on Cyborg's back again and prepares to hack. But uh, Cyborg calls for Robin, and Robin places uh, a thing on Gizmo's pack to hack it, and Gizmo is uh, just inconsolable about this. <laughs> So Starfire chases Jinx, but uh, Jinx keeps evading, and Starfire calls out for Beast Boy, and he changes into a monkey and jumps on her face. So she blasts some magic around and then gets Beast Boy off her face, but that was the plan because Beast Boy leaves, saying that her luck has just run out, and the beams fall apart around her. Mammoth is countered by Raven, and then when he tries to run away, Beast Boy comes in, turns into a T-Rex, scares him, and then Cyborg, uh, like, attacks, causing him to trip. Finally, Robin kicks him into his teammates. Once defeated, Gizmo says that he'll call Slade. Robin grabs Gizmo and asks, who is Slade? Gizmo answers, wouldn't you like to know? So, after that, we are back in Slade's lair. And the headmistress 
assures him that failure won't be tolerated and after they are retrieved from the authorities, they will be punished. Slade explains that he never intended for them to succeed, however. He just wanted them to play messenger. He then plays the clip of Robin asking who is Slade, like, over and over again. And it, like, plays into, like, his megalomania while also highlighting his unknown essence. So, yeah, the thing about Slade, like, he, he never intended for them to win. He, he was putting this up as a supposed-to-lose battle. But, like, both the fact that they got as far as they did and the fact that they were successful anyway is like a double win in Slade's book. Because, like, it shows weakness in the Titans and it gets his job done. Which only further shows just how, like, unknown and chaotic Slade actually is as a villain. Where, like, we, even as an audience, don't know what his plan is. But it involves the Titans in some way. But we don't know how. And we don't know why. But, I mean, I guess we're never really supposed to know why. Because, like, we aren't really supposed to relate or understand Slade. Like, he is just who he is. And at that point, we, we just gotta, like, take it at face value. Which I think makes Slade an even more effective villain for, like, the show and the Titans. Although I have decided to give a full explanation later, because, like, th there's an episode later on where, like, explaining why Slade is, like, the most iconic and, like, best suiting villain for the Titans... And doing so, like, without the full context, isn't appropriate. So anyway, the Titans Tower is back to its old self, and the Titans are looking through what the Hive did. Beast Boy is upset that his CDs are alphabetized. Raven is upset that someone went into her room. And Starfire is concerned that all their blue fuzzy food is gone. Cyborg is aghast that after they cleaned up the place, he still can't find the remote. But Robin points it out, grabs it, and Cyborg is impressed. Uh, he then says that they should train more and look into Slade. And Robin agrees, but right now he's just happy to be part of the team. Which I think is, like, a good thing. Because, like, you should be able to relax even when you know the weight of the world is on your shoulders it's a it's a nice little sentiment that like i think that after all of this they're still friends they're still together even though they know they have to work on uh making improvements uh it's nice to just be like part of the core and relax so robin uh clicks the remote 
and our vision is shut off, and that is the episode. So this episode is actually a lot better than I remembered it, and really does a whole heck of a lot for this show. It shows that the Titans can be put on the back foot, that they can struggle when fighting crime. Uh, like, it, it shakes our faith, basically. Even though they win in the end, it shakes our faith. Maybe they won't win next time. It also gets into, uh, like, the Titans as, like, both a group and individuals than other episodes have done previously. If only, like, for a little bit. But it is just, like, you know... We're testing the waters. We're going to get there eventually, but here it is now. And uh, <coughs> it also makes clear that Slade is a big threat. Not, not just like a criminal or even a super criminal. Slade has some big thing going on and it's just unsettling that we don't know what it is and that like we really don't know who he is like he is still not out of the shadows as far as this episode is concerned and uh, this episode also highlights like the growth that uh, the titans need to like take which is kind of an amalgamation of like a few of the points but uh, this is another reason why I think, like, this episode works, like, as episode three as opposed to episode one, where, like, the previous two episodes, like, we see them as a team, even though it's a bit rocky at points, this is, like, they're still a team. This is, like, them at their rockiest, and even though we've seen them, like, grown they still need to grow it's like that idea of like 10 miles behind me 10,000 to go that sort of thing and it also like plays into another big theme this show explores which is adults exploiting teens and children which is covered in a lot of different ways throughout the show and we'll get to all of them eventually but uh, for right now this is a really good episode. I, Yeah, like, it does a lot. There's a lot of good action, good character moments in it, too, between, like, the Titans as well as the Hive Teens, and even Slade a little bit. But, yeah, that will do it for this episode of The Last Slice of Pizza. You can find me on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when uh all their food in the fridge is moldy and they need to go somewhere for pizza and be sure to tune in next time for the episode forces of nature i will see you then